This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast, where we talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I'm Christopher Hine, head instructor at Aikido of Fresno, and with me is Joshua Tihi, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno, and Maya Salama McDaniel, first Q and student at Aikido of Fresno. Assistant, assistant instructor, code sensei. Assistant to the assistant. Are you looking sometimes. for things for me, for me to call myself? No, I mean, just... I'm just saying sometimes when we're in class, uh-huh. you refer to as co-sensei when we're with the children. That's true. She'll so. be sensei pretty soon. There you go. So there you go. Regular old grown-up. Regular old, old sensei. grown-up. Grown-up sensei. Normal. Yeah. All right. We're back. We made it again, as always. Yay. We had a lot. Uh, a lot. We had several uh, people... Writing in this week, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll just kind of uh pull one of those out and and go with it, and uh, then we'll have extra for next week and following week. One of these week, next week, maybe. Uh, uh-huh. we're gonna we're gonna do a recap. I've already decided uh, <laughs> a, a recap of Maya's black belt test, which is happening. Uh, which well, by the time people are listening to this, it will have already happened. Yeah. Um. So congratulations in advance. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, I, I think it would be uh, interesting to do a sort of recap afterwards. If, so. you know, if she fails, I'll just bleep out the congratulations. <laughs> It'll say, pop. <laughs> Let me just say in advance, pop. <laughs> and everyone will know. That, you know, that weirdly makes me feel better. <laughs> in, a re- in a really strange way. You can still edit that out. You yeah, can edit okay, that out. Thank okay. God. Everyone Thank will be God. good. Pressure's it's, off. Pressure's it's fine. Off. Everything's yeah. fine. Anyway, uh, but this week, uh, what my you have it there. We we read the yeah, I got the it. Statement. The, st- the statement. The statement. Read the statement. Sometimes because a lot of times they there it's not like necessarily a statement people write. I mean a question in like you know yeah. Hey, can you talk about blah? It's like here's a thing. Yeah, go right. Um, so we got a message from Logan Heinrichs. Thanks, Logan. Um, he said... Uh, balls to balls to bone. What is it? Oh, now I think he's jet certified. I think he's oh, jet yeah, jet he certified. is jet certified. Yeah. Balls yeah. to bone. How could I, I forget? He's, he's also a, a master of Shadow Dragon, so... He is the... Watch out. He's fuck. the only jet certified... He's the only jet certified person so far. First, that's And I somehow great. forgot. That shows you where yeah. I'm at. Yeah. All right, anyway... You're letting the fame get to your head. I know, right. it's you crazy. That's it's right, crazy. You are. It's insane. Uh, he said, I was curious if you could discuss what your skill expectations are for each Q rank. I'm rebuilding my curriculum and would love to get insights into what you specifically look for at each level. And then we also had um, a message from Grant Templin with lots of different ideas. And, and he was just like, just feel free to use whatever these, which we love that. Um, and so he kind of had also asked about um, more specifically attack types and um, what you're looking for in attacks from beginner to middle to advanced students. So, so I was thinking maybe we could just kind of address all yeah, of this in the general milieu of, you know, where you see each of those levels at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it totally, yeah, should be fun. Go for it, Chris. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, and go. So you say them all, just say them all. Okay, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, I think it's important to understand we start at ninth Q. Um, and I've done that forever since the first like real school we had. I don't even know if I'd call the first school a real school, but like, um, it was, I guess it was in a garage, but, mm-hmm. um, but like we started at ninth Q and the reason is because we wanted more time to flesh everything out. And, uh, I really feel like it, it's kind of 
you know, a lot of people's sixth queue is not uncommon to start at. I mean, some people start at 10th queue or 9th queue, um, but sixth queue is pretty common. Fifth queue is very common. Even some schools start at fourth queue. So, uh, you know, you can see all kinds of stuff where people start. Um, but ninth queue was like, oh, it gives me a lot more time to flesh everything out. And um, when I originally built the syllabus, I built it like the way I learned it, which is, you know, each each Q rank basically had a, uh, a major technique that it was responsible for, or maybe a kyo was and nage was, and I think that's the yeah, way we yeah. had it set. Uh -huh. Where it's like ikyo kokyu nage, yeah. nikyo uh, irimi nage, like that, you know, and you go all the so way. So it through. got crazy right about six Q. Yeah. Started hitting sankyo. Woo! <laughs> Ooh, Sankyo. Ooh, Sankyo. Oh, how could That's you do just it? the how one that I remember it? having problems with. So. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, so that was the way that I originally built it. And then as time's gone on, that, that just started changing radically. And, and I had probably the biggest change, maybe 2016, 15, 16, somewhere in there, um, where I, I made a big change because I, I realized that I just saw Aikido so differently that I, we couldn't even use the basic structure anymore. And I rebuilt everything. And, and I've been, you know, revising it um, about every year since, um, just as I teach for the year, I kind of go, Oh, okay, this doesn't work out or this would be better or whatever, you know? Um, so, uh, the, the revisions are getting smaller and smaller. Um, anyway, so I still use a ninth queue system because I think it takes that much time to kind of go through all the material, but I have zero emphasis on techniques now. In fact, there's really no discernible techniques required until fourth queue. Um, and then, um, and techniques we're talking about forms. Yeah. Talking about forms. Yeah. yeah. Forms as techniques. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's funny. I still say that wrong. And it's like when I'm talking about it, like seriously, I, I don't say it that way, but you know, when I'm just talking about Aikido in general, right. I call forms techniques right, and, right. and I shouldn't do that. Um, anyway, so yeah, so forms, we don't really worry about forms, um, at all until, um, you get to, um, fourth Q and then third Q is, is pretty form heavy. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, I expect form wise, I expect my third Qs to be doing what a black belt test was for me. Um, and, and it seems like now I remember Maya actually and get Maya's input on this, but I remember when Maya <laughs> saw the test, she's like, wait a minute, you're expecting people to go from basically no forms until fourth Q and then by third Q to know all the forms, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And it seems crazy, but the way that I teach it, it actually works out perfectly. Right, because all of the pieces to the forms are built in throughout the other uh, the other ranks. Right. So by the time you get to fourth Q, third Q, you have seen all of the things. You have done all of the things. You've probably done all of the things more and in better and ways than if we had just done right, the just forms, done, done forms. the forms, done the forms. Right. So realistically it just is then a, a matter of memorizing the the sort of how they link up in right. in the form and that's really not all that difficult especially at that level you know when you at the very beginning yes it's hard to kind of memorize things in those right. but as you go along all of the vocabulary is in place all of the other like the things that you need to really understand the forms are in place so it's not that it's not right. that difficult right. it's not that big of a yeah. jump so mostly um all the stuff that makes up the forms like josh is saying is broken out earlier and explained earlier and so by the time it gets to forms you actually know how to do all the stuff 
um, individually as pieces. And I think it's better to be able to know them as pieces because then you don't think they have to be put into a form to be useful. Like you recognize and identify all the pieces that make up the forms, which is more useful in my opinion. Um, so basically the way it works is at ninth queue, the very beginning, the first test, well, all I want to see from people is that they can roll a bit. They can do footwork a bit. They understand concepts like keeping your hands in front of your center, um, that they understand all the Thai sabaki. And, and that doesn't mean that they're great at it. It just means that they are familiar with the words and they know the things to do. And so I want that because then as we move through the other ranks, I will constantly reference that material, right? So like in our school, we use the word haragi to mean your hands being in, in connection with your center. And so, you know, I can generally say to an eighth cue, a seventh cue, hey, put uh, use haragi, and they will correct their form. So Right, it, instead of having to say, make sure you keep your arms right, in front right. of your center, or right. whatever, however else right. you might, yeah. Um, so, so, you know, things like that make it easy. And so basically, you know, my ninth cue test, it looks really comprehensive, but it's, it's not all that daunting. It's, it's, you know, they need to know Ashi Sabaki. So they need to be able to do Sugi Ashi, Ayumi Ashi, Tenkan, and then combinations of those. Um, and I'll ask for those on the test. They need to be able to do Kaiten Waza. So they need to be able to do, uh, forward rolls, backward rolls. Um, and then, uh, I don't do high falls on that test although there's really no reason not to but I just don't I, I give them a little more time to start seeing it and I really don't even ask for it ask for it until third cue when it's like you should just be able to take free Kimmy and you should be able to high fall during that um, so they should be able to take four rolls back rolls um, they should understand the concepts of how you make power how wave power works how um, hands in front of your center works uh, and how to do furunoshise how to do an immovable body right and again this is not like expert level stuff this is just they understand all all these chunks. So I want my ninth cues to understand basically how we use our body in Aikido. And that way, the rest of their training, I can always re-reference that. So they don't know anything about Ikkyos or Kokyunages, and we're not talking about that at all for them. They don't need to study that or learn that. All they need to know is how do we move our body and how do you talk about moving the body so that's not foreign to them. So you're basically like building a common language with them to start off and also right. making sure that they can survive on the mat right basically. exactly like, right yeah i don't want them getting beat up terribly and right. yeah i want them to know basically what's going to happen with their body yeah yeah eighth cue so the ninth cue is kind of a big test in my opinion like i mean it's not hard to do but it's like it gives you a chunk mm -hmm. a giant chunk then eighth cue has the same thing it, eighth cue i expect them to learn to be uke and that doesn't mean a good uke that means they know the names of all the grabs they know the names of the strikes they know the kind of stuff that uke is going to be doing on in aikido right so that way you can perform ukimi for people you know and and not high level ukimi i'm not expecting any of that i just want them to be able to um, know how to grab someone know how to attack someone and know where we're going with that and how those kinds of things work um and then when we get to seventh Q, so seventh Q, when you pass the seventh Q test in our school, you you get a, a different colored belt. And this is another thing to explain. So, uh, you know, I came from a school where you were a white belt until you were a black belt. And you had no hakama until you were a black belt. And then you got a hakama and a black belt. And um, I was really rigid asshole about that for a while. And I was like, well, that's the real way to do it. You know, like it was some real macho shit I had to do. And then I realized that like people like having goals to get to. And it's encouraging to have goals to get mm -hmm. to. So I implemented a system where you have a white belt, then a green belt, then a brown belt, then a hakama, then a hakama until shodan. And then shodan, you wear a, a dark colored top. So that's basically how we visually differentiate rank. And it's useful because it's 
gives people something to strive for, which is really nice, and also helps new people recognize who, who to go knows to. more on the map. Right. And, right. and that's really wonderful, you know? Um, so at 7th Q, what I expect is you to understand what I think Aikido is. Like, I, that's what I want you to really get by then. And, and you graduate to Greenbelt because there's making a distinction here. You're not just mucking around with stuff anymore. You are starting to know what it is we're up to here. And, and that all has to do with, like, the movement-based idea and the not dominating idea and distancing and why distancing is so important. And um, by the time you get to 7th Q, you should be uh, good at Hadoki, right? And so Hadoki is a big chunk of that test. And, and the Hadoki is really... Um, you know, so we start that at eighth queue a bit where you're doing like, uh, Katadori Hodoki and Ryo Katadori Hodoki. And by the time we're getting through seventh queue, we're getting, I think sixth queue actually has all of it, but you should be really starting to understand what Hodoki is because you should understand that your objective is to get free. So like, I don't really want people thinking at that point that like my job is to like power someone down yeah, or, throw them to the yeah, ground, I, I don't want you thinking that. From its socket. Right. The Hodoki I think really fills in the that gray area between um not knowing anything about aikido techniques or forms and going to the forms and i think this is why like what made me what made sense to me about waiting on all those forms until later in the ranking system is that there is the hodoki and the hodoki kind of mixes the um beginning stuff that you're going to learn the like angles and just you know basic body movement stuff into okay now you have to um, you know, make an angle and get free. And those those basic movements that we make in order to, to make Hidoki are the beginnings of the techniques. Right. And so you, once you are getting familiar with, I'm going to move my body in this triangle and I'm going to attempt to Ikkyo their elbow, that's, uh, you know, essentially the beginning to, you know, Katadori Ikkyo right. or right. whatever, you exactly know. Exactly right. And so you're, you're, you know, by the time they're able to get to actually performing forms on test, They've seen those pieces right. for, you know, a long, long time. Well, and the thing is, those are the most important parts, yes. right. realistically. Right. Yes. So it, and it, so it makes sense to do those parts earlier and give them a whole long time to work on them. That's right. Because the what people maybe don't realize is that the forms are um, failures, right? right? Just a exactly series right. of failures all the way down to, to the pin. Um, and so if you have a really, really awesome first blend you know, like Maya was saying, first Hodoki, you may you may never get to the end to a full form, to seeing a full form uh unfold. Right? right. Right. So giving people time to really hone in on the stuff that is important and then sort of giving them the worst case scenario at the end, I think is a much better way to sort of get a fuller practice out of it for the students. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And I think having that chunk of Hidoki start like eight, seven, six is like really starts programming people in the right direction. Like Josh is saying, like we are trying to get free. Right. We're going to learn that first. Right. And then by the time you get to techniques, you truly or hopefully, especially if this is your first martial art, you've really internalized like this is the goal of what we're doing. Right. Um, and, and we know, you know, when we're doing forms, it's just a representation of something that is you know, mostly a ideal, idealized thing that's not really something that's going to happen in life and that we're focused on getting free and right. not doing the right. form. Right. Forms to me are like, you know, I look at forms like little, little, 
chapters in books in a book or something where it's like you know each form teaches you a bunch of things and and collecting them like that is good to reference what's in the system and so before you know a lot of stuff was written down it was probably a great way to transmit stuff because it's like you know you memorize these you know 15 things and then you will basically know the stuff that's in the system Um, but it's really terrible for actually analytically understanding what's going on and you know I knew the forms long time ago but it was still you know 10 more years before I would say I had a grasp on what Aikido was because I had to break all the things out of there and go like oh well systematically what's it saying what are the forms referencing for us as opposed to just thinking i'm going to do a form and everything will be okay you know and i think that also so i started when i started it was um the the forms were part of the thing so it was you know ninth q was ikkyo and and whatever um and i think building on it like that is just it's it, it it's very difficult i think to get when Later, when we got to a point where I understood what we were actually doing and and how it was going to be applicable, um, it was a, it was kind of difficult to sort of go back and sort of like pull things apart. And I also had a little bit of bad programming in mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, we're in this position. Well, this is the technique that, right. it, or you know, this is the form that exists there. Right. So you got to do that. And so yeah, uh, and so that takes a little bit of deprogramming if. If you come from the old way right, of learning, right. there can be some deprogramming. I find it in myself all the time. Um, and so to flip it, I think you are building people who may be better equipped for spontaneous, you know, uh, interactions. Right. Because they don't have that sort of those connections made yet with technique form. Right. Technique form. Right. Right. Josh, I feel like you're a like... Like an old, like a big old redwood tree of Chris's, like of of Chris's uh, Aikido journey. It's true. Like, been through them if, all. if you slice through the middle, you can see all the it's different true, yeah. like eras of Chris's teaching yeah. and the various different things that Chris has emphasized versus other things. It's true. It would, uh, and maybe it exists. I mean, some exist, but it would be interesting to see, like, go through and see, like, from the beginning, like video footage or documentation from the beginning to now. Yeah. Of, oh yeah. Of yeah. How things, you know. Yeah. I mean, I remember coming into a class once and Corey, who uh, Josh is my first black belt, Corey's my second black belt. Corey was teaching and Corey hadn't been around for a while and he was just teaching old material. And I was like, wow, that's funny. I mean, not even that's wrong, yeah. but it's just it's, it's not, it's a more complex a way to get at this, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was interesting to see that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so basically you have white belt stage and white belt stage is a, be able to, to manage yourself. And then B, the eighth Q stage is to be able to deal with, uh, other people like to make the attacks and stuff that you need to do. Then as we get into the green belt stage, which is, um, seven, six, five, and four or seven, six, and five, seven, six, and five are all about learning how I think Aikido works, right? So like the approach that I teach is, basically conveyed through um, 7th Q, 6th Q, and 5th Q. And 7th Q's focus is on mostly Hidoki, and some of that pours kind of into 6th Q because uh, it gets difficult. 6th Q, we start working on multiple attackers. Um, And then uh, 5th Q, we work on um, weapons involving in that, right? So, So we basically go from getting free to multiple attackers, to weapons. And that's, as far as technical Aikido goes, you have to have those three chunks because that's what makes 
this approach different, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's really distinguishing our form of Aikido versus other forms because the, each of those stages you learn those kinds of and things. And where does the sort of uh, tipping of tipping the toe into like the awase sort of putting stuff in movement? Is that sort of throughout the whole process? So or that sort of throughout, but fifth cue is where we I start asking you about things like timings of how things and how things interact. And the reason for that is because when you start looking at weapons, weapons coming at you, you have to understand the timing of those weapons. And so it's much more than just a simple grab, right? But we're working on a wase uh, way back at seventh cue. You just don't kind of know what it is yet, right? So like when we're working on the Hadoki at seventh cue, there's a wase built into that, but you don't really recognize it as a wase, or I would assume they don't recognize it as a wase, you know, like maybe they can say the words and they know that it's a blend, but they don't get it. Then at sixth cue, you got to start to get some more wase because there's two people coming at you. So you have to understand what the blend between those two people are. But then when weapons are starting to come at you, now you much more have to understand that, right? And then also how to use the weapon yourself. And then the, the, the way the Hadoki works for that also matches really nicely because I just teach body Hadoki for the um, seventh cue and, and pouring in sixth cue a little bit. And then um, at fifth cue, you, you're starting to do Tedori Hadoki, right? So how to escape hand grabs. And the reason for that is because the hand grabs are you are armed. Yeah. And so when we're looking at that weapon Im- implication, that's what we're looking at. And also, let me real quick say, when we're talking about weapons, I'm not talking about anyone learning Joe or Boken. Right. I teach those as separate things. So I don't teach any Sawariwaza as my regular curriculum. I don't teach any Joe and I don't teach any Boken as my regular curriculum. And that doesn't mean we don't use those weapons with our other Aiki stuff, but there is no emphasis on learning those weapons. I feel like one of the greatest, another really great thing that you have done is the as as pulling apart and separating uh, dodori and teidori, right? Because they are two completely different things that are are answering two separate questions, and it, and that are both really important for the context, but very different. Um, and so having them separated like that, I think, is really important because you know if you're just sort of going it through the the forms i think a lot of people don't really may not c- comprehend the vast difference between what's happening with uh, you know uh katadori whatever and katatedori right even though they're sort of the same or even even shomenuchi i mean or katadori crosshand maybe and you know gyakutedori or you know right and those are very different things. And so I think separating like, like that and making it very clear to people like what a body grab is for. Right. What the attacker is going to be doing once he has a body grab. What a, a wrist grab is for. What the attacker is going to be doing once they have that wrist grab. Right. It's really important. So, um, yeah. So, so you know, just to kind of again recap, white belts, when you see white belts at my school, those are new people who are just learning how to do anything. Green belts are the people who are learning my approach specifically and the way in which I think that approach should be organized. Then as we push into brown belt and Hakama, what they're learning is classical Aikido through my approach, right? So like basically you've got all the skills in the green belt of my approach, right? And it doesn't mean you're great at them, it just means you know what they all are. But then as you start to move brown belt and into Hakama, what you're doing is you're learning how everyone else talks about Aikido and how right. my approach jives with that. So you already kind of understand my approach, and now I'm teaching you how the rest of the world sees Aikido and how they jive together. 
Yeah, that's to me like the kind of the stage where you start. I would imagine that there's sort of a natural progression, but probably by that stage, you've started looking at other Aikido, not like, you know, in any kind of like, oh, I wish I was doing that, but just like, oh, what else is out there? Right, you know? right, right. And so how do how does what I do match with what they do? Right. right. And so it's perfect to have that at that stage because then there's more um, more work being done on on how that drives and, right. and what's different too. Right, right. So um, fourth Q test, which is um, all the forms from Shomenuchi, that's the emphasis. And so that's Kyowaza, Nagewaza, both. Um, and I expect you to be able to do all the techniques from Shomen. Um, and Shomen, because I think it's the archetypical attack type uh, for Aikido, uh, it's really useful. And I made a bunch of videos talking about it. But but basically, I think it's, it's super, super useful. And then um, that is your birth into how the rest of the world sees Aikido. And so I want you to be able to start matching up with them. And then that's a brown belt in our school. And it's a brown belt because it symbolizes that you are getting to be senior in our school, right? Like you understand understand all of my approach, basically how all the pieces go together as I see it. And now you're starting to learn what Aikido is for everybody else. And then at third Q, I expect you to be able to do all the forms of Aikido. And so that's what a typical Aikido black belt test is. And you get a Hakama at that, right? And so to me, it's like you're coming into that phase where now you can take everything you learned from my approach and you can mesh it with everyone else's Aikido. And you can kind of be, you know, I don't want to say you're a black belt because you're not, but but it's like that same kind of thing where it's like you have command of the forms now. And by passing your third Q test, you've proven you have command of the forms. Yeah. And you can start sort of taking it out on your own, let's say a little yeah, more. That's, that's exactly right. And discovering how they work how they actually work for you as right. opposed to right. how you've been shown them. And I think my third cue should be able to look at forms in other schools and go, oh, they're doing this. This is maybe why or, right. you know, right. and they can they can kind of conceptualize why things are happening in other Aikido mm-hmm. schools. Yeah, so they can see a form. So the, like one that we always talk about and look at is uh, uh, like uh, Shomenuchi Riminage, for instance, because there's different variations. Sure. Uh, and so depending on what school, they all show some weird, some That's show right. this really flowy down to the ground, back up, blah, blah, blah. And at third cue, uh, our students should be able to look at that and go, ah, I see what he's doing. Right. I know why they're doing I, it I that know way. What, I know what the uke is, the type of energy that the uke is giving, and I understand why the nage is making the choices that he's making to get to that, that position. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, so then second cue is a really weird test, um, and I think it's kind of a, as a floating test. depends on what's going on with the student. But second cue's objective is to learn why pinning exists because if you've really – internalized just have a whole test just for pinning if well if you've internalized (laughs) my approach to aikido then you would say why why do we we have pins yeah Yeah. and and to me trying a pin from an irresponsible place of not knowing why the pins fit into our approach is kind of stupid and so i'm not exactly saying that you shouldn't be doing pins by that time but i'm saying that you probably don't actually understand and you probably don't need them that's right really thinking about what you're doing that's right and so um by that time my thought is is we have an advanced student who can can judiciously decide when a pin would be appropriate, what kind of situations a pin would be appropriate. And I do think it is appropriate to Aikido at certain times. For the most part, it's not. And definitely for beginning students who don't have great physical advantages, they shouldn't be pinning. But by the time you get to second cue, you should be able to judiciously go, mm, this is why I pin. And then I want you to know a complete understanding of how the pins work out um, 
for, for my school. And then first cue is uh, what I think a black belt test should be at any school, which is you literally know all the material. Like, you know, I've had many people getting your first cue go, oh, what, what's the material first cue? And everything is my answer. Right, you're like, just do <laughs> because it. Because I expect you to know everything. I expect that there's nothing I can't think up to tell you to do that you can't do, right? Um, and that doesn't mean that you're the best in the world. Right. It just means that you and should it, be able and to understand that also anything doesn't I tell mean you. You won't come up with something. That's right. I'll cook things up, right? Yeah, because, the whole point of that test is to be challenged. Right, right. And that test is usually, our first cue test is usually, you know, two to four hours. Um, we do it outside. Um, by the time the student's done, they are filthy. It's brutal. Like, it's, it's, brutal it's a yeah. hard test. Yeah. Physically exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and in that test, sort of moving beyond uh sort of the normal just forms or whatever so we're getting into some uh heavier Giawaza, yes pa, uh getting into some kaishi waza getting into some connor waza getting into some uh uh, uh rondori rondori thank you uh <laughs> g- so there's the whole level also of the the training method the live we, aspect yeah. yes rinshu you should be mastering that at this point so so that's what I expect from my first cues. It's it's just a really hard test um, in every way and intellectually taxing. There's a point where I'll just stop and let anyone in the crowd ask questions, <laughs> and then that could be anything, right? So they got to field any questions. Oh, that's someone very asks fun. Them, you know? That's very fun. Yeah, and you could get everything from you know a five year old saying what is Aikido to you know like <laughs> some astute question from a you know thirty year black belt. You know, right, like right. so so uh, it, it can be the gambit, and it's meant to be taxing in every way. Um, and then Shodan is a polish test. So Shodan test is nowhere near as difficult in our school as a first Q test. Um, but it's expected that you're polished and we invite other people, like lots of other people to come. So it's, it's not just, you know, uh, people who are super into the dojo at the time. It's like, you know, grandmas and moms and dads and all this. They it's should like all a be graduation. Coming. It's a graduation test. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's right. like, and it's, it's more polished. of a, so it's a test, obviously, but it's also a bit of a demonstration exactly. for the student to be exactly. able to go. So it's, you know, it's less of a test in that you are testing to see them, uh, you know, what they know. And it's more of a demonstration for them to show, right. hey, I am where you right, want right. me to be. And that's not to say you can't fail a black belt test because I fail people for black belt tests. But but it's because they didn't show up to just do right. what they were doing, you know, and that's the objective of it. The objective is to be present to be there and to show show what you know yeah it's funny for me moving towards mine that like um you know when i was a kid my my family definitely came to to tests of mine um but i haven't had my family at the last couple i think um more just because it's like it's my own thing i'm an adult whatever um but you know i wanted to invite them to this one obviously because it's a big deal but it's also like all right you know here's what I've been up to for the last right. 16 years. Right. <laughs> you know, as well as my friends too. Like, here's what I'm doing here's all the time I, right. when I say I'm busy. Here's right. why. <laughs> it is kind of nice, I think, to have something that you that 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 you can then show people. Like, look, whenever you want to do something and I wasn't available or whatever right. was happening, yeah. here's the thing. Like, here are the skill sets that I have now right. uh, mastered or whatever. Yeah, Not totally. Much, I have a question mm. about this whole thing. So that you know, we've gone through the sort of setup. How does it differ for kids, the kids' classes, and what you're trying to do with the the little little children? I honestly think I'm still working on that, and and I constantly. So we have kids' nights two times a week, uh, or two two times a year, 
and um, kids night is they come and it's a long thing and we do a whole bunch of training and then when they test and then we hang out and all kinds of stuff. But like so yeah, they get pizza. Yeah, they get pizza. Yeah, they get to run around. Kinds of shit, Mostly like they just get to blah. Yeah, they're there forever. It's a really, really <laughs> for long an hour or so whatever yeah, they yeah. love it. Yeah. Anyways, but um, so I still am not exactly I, I don't feel like I have got that right yet. And um, I've tried many different things. So, you know, for a long time, I used basically just the, the, the testing curriculum that, you know, when I inherited a kid's class, I didn't want a kid's class. Um, but I did inherit a public dojo that already had a kid's class. So I had a responsibility. And also, as someone who's got to pay the bills, I, I needed to make money yeah. from kids as well, you know. And, and, you know, if you've ever run a professional dojo, you will have more kids than you have adults generally. So... Right now we don't though, but um, anyways, close. But it's, yeah, it's COVID COVID destroyed our kids' class. Anyways, um, but uh, uh, so so I just kind of inherited the syllabus, and I said fine, and I just taught the syllabus that I inherited, and it took me all of maybe four months to go. I hate this. <laughs> it's it's a piece of shit, you know. <laughs> um, and so I started morphing that, um, much to the chagrin of of many uh, parents and kids. Um, but I began morphing it and it's gone through many different stages and, and my last stage, and I still am kind of trying to hold on to this, but, but it, it might not work out quite right is that when the kids, the kids have a ton more belts and ranks and, and colors and all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, they get, they get stripes. Right. Too. Yeah. And they get stripes and all kinds of stuff. Um, because kids, it's like, it, it's, it's, you know, when adults pass the test or something they really tend to hold on to a lot of that information but a kid can pass a test and then you ask him in six months right, something right. on the test he has no the, clue the like next day there's no yeah. internalization yeah. of that very, right very, yeah um so so it, kids need more reminders and more constant work like that so um uh, there's more but where they kind of graduate is into green belt and my original idea was they would go into the green belt adult rank when they when they adult up you know when they move to the adult class but the problem is because they're still in a kid's setting they really don't come out like an adult green belt Mm -hmm. right like an adult green belt still ahead right um and so it it um i i don't have it straightened out yet and i don't i honestly still don't know if it's my teaching methodology for kids which is increasing and changing all the time or if it's kids and they just can't yeah. get to that mm-hmm. level quite mm-hmm. you know so yeah. so i don't know exactly what it well, is well i think part of it is what you're saying because i think even in the younger adults that we have seen um there is a bit of a like grace kind of period that happens that they get where it's like they're just not there yet mentally right, or right. and even sometimes physically like not really understanding the bodies and things and the way they work so i think some of it could, can be that that they're just not as fully developed yet and so um it's yeah. hard for them to maybe they're even taking in the information correctly but it's hard for them to to output it physically right yeah i mean i think that's a huge um issue or or you know struggle that they come up against if they're you know like 15 or something you know in that range that like when they're taking you know these you know like eighth q test seventh q test where it's asking a little more of them that's when chris starts to ask questions and start to say like explain the concept of hadagi right explain the concept of whatever um uh, what yeah. are the four steps in making IKEA? Yeah. Right. Like, what are exactly. those steps? What do they mean? And that's like standard. And I think for for you know adult, like full adults, you know maybe 
20 plus like you can kind of go like oh yeah i I have no issue studying up on that and figuring out how to to answer questions and i've talked in front of people you know um but i think for like 15 year olds that's really intimidating and i I think a lot of them come up against the just the ability to like speak in front of people and and to be present and not freak out or give one word answers or you know um and then the other thing is stud like being able to study and like knowing and understanding that like you're not screwing around when you're giving them a test. And sometimes it's even like they've seen other people fail, but they still don't kind of grasp how serious you are about right. it and how serious they need to be. Right. And then they show up and they they realize that like they went over the the, 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 the <laughs> test material with their eyes, but they didn't right. really go like, do I know this? Can right. I explain it and say it out loud? Or, you know what I mean? Be able to do it, not just think of, oh, I know what EQ is. Can you do it all the way is right. another thing entirely. Right. Um, I will but. say, though, that the way that you structure even the, the kids' classes and, and, and the sort of curriculum that's being put into the kids does put them in a good position uh, so that when they come out of it, they will, ha- they will have an idea of what these things are. Right. And even now, you know, because you're, you're putting forth some, I think, advanced ideas to the kids, but in ways that they can totally understand them so even the littlest kids you know understand at least at some level what haragi is right um yeah you know they understand you know yeah they can at least know they might not know it's called ma'ai but they know what that distance is that you would want to be at um so they they kind of have some advanced concepts because i think what i do like is that that there's no that there's no dumbing down of the material right uh, you're you're teaching it in a different way, and, and kind of sneaking some things in that I don't even think they even realize are getting <laughs> you know sometimes with games and different things, but there's no dumbing it down. So it's not right. you're not teaching a like a different set of things to the children than to the adults. It's all the same stuff. So when they do come out of it, you know when they transfer over, it's not like they're gonna see brand new things. Right. 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 So. Which is, I think, kind of nice. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, that's basically that. Um, as far as like Grant, Grant Templin asking a question, um, it's it's kind of a mixed bag for me to answer this question, if I'm understanding it right, which I think he's basically saying at different stages of training, right? So let's say that my school has um, three distinct stages, right? So like true beginners, um, those who are learning my approach, and then those who are getting ready to go out into the rest of the Aikido world, you know, like, you know, three kinds of stages. And then of course, you know, uh, advanced students, but um, so maybe four. Um, But if, if you look at that and like how, I think what he's saying is, you know, at each stage, how should, how should their attacks be? And I think what he, what he means by that is like, how should they be taking Ukemi? Do you, I mean, that's, that's what I think he's saying. Like, yeah, I th- I think so. That's the way I Yeah. And like, it. so like, you know, how serious is the Ukemi? How mm. strong is it? How, right. you know, all these kinds of things. And I also think it, I'm in my mind, it's like, uh, also like how much leeway are you, are they allowed in? providing the correct you know uh attacks and things you know mm-hmm, like how mm-hmm. how yeah. loose can things be or mm-hmm. tight depending on you know but how you know exact like how exact should they be mm-hmm. and how much kind of whatever you give them because they're beginners or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it, i think it's really complex to answer that question because uh, i think 
that I teach Aikido like differently. Like I basically teach from the perspective of Kanrenwaza. Like that's the majority of the classes I teach from the concept of Kanrenwaza, which is adaptive. And so what I do when I'm when I'm teaching is I watch the class. I, I provide whatever material I want to work on or whatever needs to be worked on. And I watch the class and I see where the failures are happening. And then I correct the failures not from Uke's side, but from Nage's side. So meaning, you know, say we're doing um, a ski and um, uh, the students are uh, doing real short skis that are really fast and it's overwhelming the Nages, right? I then work on the perspective of how Nage solves that problem, not how Uke solves that problem. Now, it's not that I'm not talking to Uke because I am and I'm saying, hey, look, this is a type of attack. Now, it's not the type of attack we started with, but let's go ahead and answer your question and then we can kind of come back. And I'm not saying that outright, but that's right. what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, you know, so say say that exact problem was happening. We're having, you know, a ski problem because the ski's coming off so fast that the nage can't blend with it. And especially if we have a bunch of nages who are not real sharp, you know. Um, then I say, well, this is a distancing problem. If, if they're too close, then they can deliver a really quick strike. So what you need to practice doing is increasing the ma'ai before they attack mm -hmm. so that way. And so then what you get is some real simple stuff. Either you see two people running around the mat and you're like, well, see, we're never going to get to practice our technique now because you're never willing to take that that long strike. And that long strike is what is required for this technique to happen. Now, if they're not making that long strike, then the answer is to move around really quick, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there is, there are boundaries to that. You know, at a certain point, I, I will say like, you know, we got to quit chasing yeah, this. Stop this. Um, like, yeah. But usually I, I don't have a hard time crafting it into that, that structure, right? So, yeah, no, I was just going to clarify that like, so your first approach in teaching or correcting Okemi is not stop doing that. Right. I, I almost <laughs> never say that. You know, I, I have only said that once I'm sure that the person gets what I'm doing. And I say, that's not what we're working on. Right. But they once they understand why that's not what we're working on, usually they're very self-correct. Yeah, right. self-correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like, I, for example, I had a student uh, who we were doing um, – uh, and as the, he was newish, you know, I think he was like an eighth Q or something. And, uh, when the Nage and the Nage wasn't very good, like, you know, it was, it was a newer student. And, um, every time they went to do the technique, the, the eighth Q would kind of like turn their back, um, when receiving the Ukimi. And so it's impossible, you know, it's impossible to do Shomenuchi Ikkyo when someone's doing that, unless you're ferociously strong and you shouldn't have to be ferociously strong because that's not the way the techniques are built. So I said, okay, do the technique with me. And then he turned his back and I threw him Iri Minage <laughs> and it was this giant fucking Iri Minage because the kid was like pushing himself into the Iri Minage. Yeah. So then I said, okay, do you get it? And he's like, yeah. And I said, okay, let's do it again. So he did the same thing. So I did the same. So ass over tea kettle again, boom, smashes down. This happened four times in a row. And then I eventually said, hey, man, why do I keep throwing you like that? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, what throw am I doing? And he said, irimi-nage. And I said, okay, what does irimi-nage require? He said, that you're behind me. I said, all right, what's the technique we're working on? He said, ikkyo mote. And I said, how does that technique work? And he said, it's a technique where you're side by side and you drive me down forward. I said, okay. So if if you were doing the ukimi for ikkyo mote, could I irimi-nage you? And he's like, oh. No, no, you couldn't. And I said, all right, let's try. And then I took it with him. And I, lo and behold, I couldn't eat Iminaga him. And I said, do you know what we're working on now? And he said, oh, yeah, 
I get it. And then that was that was the end of that. It fixed Izukimi forever with that, you know? But it, it's like, you know, when we're training, we, we go through this shit in our head. And, you know, it's fair because we don't know everything that's going on. But we say like, oh, you know, I want to help them get real good. So I'm going to resist their technique and that'll help them get real good. And you can correct that by saying like, stop doing that. Like I was told that and I actually gained some from being told that once. But like, for the most part, if you don't understand why that ukimi doesn't fit, it doesn't help to just right. not do it right. right. You know, like, and also there has to be a replacement, right, for it. Like, you have to be able to go stop doing that, do this instead, right, right. Um, and they have to understand what the instead part is, because if they don't, then not then they're just going to keep doing the same thing that's because right. that's the program that they have running. That's right. And so you have to be able to say. Uh, do this instead, and if you're able to say do this instead, you can just take away the don't do the <laughs> stop right. doing this part right. and just right. say do this instead. Right. Yeah. It it builds like this kind of weird contempt um, if you just say don't do it because because what happens is they think about why the teacher told them to stop that, and it's like well because it just breaks the technique and and they just want to do the technique, so I can't do that. But it's like, no, there's a really valid reason, whatever it is, that I would tell you not to do that. And I want you to get this experience while we're training to not do that anymore. Right, right. And if you get that, then cool. You'll never have a problem with that again. You will understand it for, from here on out, right? Yeah, it's all the way you message it to them. Yeah. And yeah. I think too often, especially in something that's very like rigid, like traditional martial arts, it's, you know, we just go, don't do that. Stop right, that. That's right, not how we do right, that. Right. Um, but as far as like my expectations, that's like how I handle the problems. Um, but as far as my expectations go, and this kind of happens naturally with what I just said, but like, you know, uh, white belts, I don't expect much of anything. I expect them to, you know, basically be able to throw showmans when they're showmans. And other than that, I correct all the problems, you know, or katates for katates or whatever. Um, by yeah, the can time, they just identify it? Yeah, like, <laughs> they can identify it and kind of roughly do it. Right. And, and then I'll, I'll fix anything. Can they kind of you know? match what they're seeing? Right. Yes, exactly right. It. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah. And then by green belt, I'm expecting you to start to get why those techniques would come off that way and why they would happen. And so I, I, I'm much more probing at them, you know, much more like, okay, why would that distance arise? What makes that technique not possible? How come you're blocking him here, you know? Um, but that generally does come more from the Nage side than from the Uke side. And so it self-corrects when you do that. Um, and then advanced people, like I said, for third cue, I expect you to be able to take really flowing ukemi like any Aikido school would, you know? So right. you can take this really nice moving fluid kind of ukemi. I also think that, again, sort of in how you are building the syllabus, um, things are, are, are sort of clear uh, each progression of the way. And so, again, because we're forms are at the back end and we're doing sort of techniques or pieces of the forms throughout, you're actually showing people as we're, they're progressing what the proper attack is, what the right. proper energy to give is. Right. That's sort of built into the training. Right. So in some ways it's like um, you just expect that they can do the thing that is appropriate for them at that time and everything will work out. That's right. That's right. It's kind of, it seems like with Ukemi, like, it kind of goes wide, narrow, wide with mm -hmm. the, the arc of training that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So like when you start, there's a wide array of things that white belts might be up to in terms of giving you Kemi. And that's everything from being too soft to 
trying to be challenging all the time to being chaotic. Like it's just, there's, there's just the whole gamut of yeah, shit. For sure. And then the thing like trying to help them to take better ukemi involves sort of slicing out all those parts of like, you know, too harsh or too soft, you know, if it's too soft, let's harden it up a little. If it's too harsh, like let's pull it back off the gas a little bit. If it's a little chaotic, like let's give you some structure. Mm -hmm. um, and we kind of like, you know, force it into more of a like neutral, like, you know, not very hard, but not very soft either. Just kind of like a neutral ukemi. And mm -hmm. then I think as you get better, we kind of go back out to wide right. in the sense that Every uke, like Josh, is able to provide a myriad of different ukemi, all the way from super soft and very, like, you know, uh, flexible and, and very, you know, open to really harsh, really, really tight, whatever it is. And so I right. think, like, that's the the sort of stage is, like, first we cut out all the weird bullshit that's happening and just have sort of a raw, like, okay thing. And mm -hmm. then we start start sort of, like adding back in like okay here's how you respond to something when you need to be harsh on something here's how when you need to be a really rough attacker here's when you need to be a very soft nice um teaching sort of attacker with mm -hmm. a new student and stuff and i think that's kind of the path that it takes generally yeah. yeah i think that's right and then also like i don't know if this is i, I don't know if i've i i if i'm correctly interpreting uh what grant templin is asking grant grant Templin is asking. I think I am though. Um, but like, as you start to progress to advanced stuff, then all of that is just my responsibility because as we start to move into live training, it's whether I can build a rule set that's good enough. You know, it's like, as long as you play to the rule set, like I don't have any restrictions on what you can do. Um, and so it's just, can I construct a rule set for this things I want to work on and right. drill right now? Um, and so th that's just all on me. So I don't tell my UKs they're doing anything wrong. I go, oh, new rule. And right, so we make right, a new right, rule. Right. That's it. You know? <laughs> new rule. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and usually new rules quickly lead to new games because right, it's right, like, right, okay, right, well, right. this game's constructed like this, right. you know, and people yeah. break my games constantly. Right. So, yeah. Kids did that. Oh, Kids cool. love to break they games. They're good at it, man. <laughs> They're so good at breaking games. Well, here's another game. We have games that don't even have names because we can't, uh, yeah. can't get yeah. them out fast enough. And for then how they the go, kids, like. Sensei, how come we don't play that game anymore? Yeah. <laughs> and you're just oh, like, well, you um... little shit's broken. That's why. <laughs> it's boring. It's because... fucking boring. Sword, sword, uh, balance beam, sword, sword fight. fight. That game just became this boring fucking game where the kids stand as far away from each other and, and swing the swords as hard as they can yeah. with barely brushing each other because they know if they get too close to each other, the sword's actually going to knock them off the thing. And so it's like, this isn't fun right. this is not fun and then uh there was respawn which just got into oh, this man, insane a ridiculous game like yeah. chaotic it was just yeah yeah so kids get it get a whole different but i mean that's you know it's good because as the teacher for that kind of stuff you're learning what will happen what are the defaults because mm -hmm. those are the defaults that people will use in real sure. life yeah too. oh yeah, yeah and so yeah. you've got to work with that stuff yeah. and understand how that how that works you know yeah. no i think i think that's really uh, a smart way to go about it you know is to have not to put everything you know i think this is what people kind of want um and they just want one thing to do everything mm -hmm. you know uh i want to teach i want to get all of my learning out of one pra right. practice right um and it's like no you can't like so there's gonna be times when it's like um uh, we were doing this the other day uh with the kids and uh, it's a game where they have a pool noodle and they can hit you and you have to try to hit them on the back before they get into this uh, ring, whatever. Uh, and it's almost impossible for the attackers, and that's us as the uh, adults, adults uh, to do anything. 
if the kids are on it at right, all. It's right. impossible. So it's kind of crappy in a lot of ways <laughs> as a person who wants to be like, ooh, I want to. Um, but that's what it, what you're teaching them is specific for this thing. Right. And, and, and it's right. a really clear thing that you're teaching them. Um, so you just kind of have to suck that up. Right. And then later and, there will be. And that's, you know, like, so, you know, at first it won't be impossible for the adults because the well, kids are sure. stupid and right. turn their back. <laughs> right. And then as the kids get better at playing the game, it's like, okay, you've kind of outgrown this game. So now we need to make it more uh, challenging right. or change games, you know? Uh, I think we went, man, we went through that all pretty, pretty nicely. Is there, I'm trying to think if we, we left anything out, if someone's going to be listening right now and like, what about, uh, but well, that'll be next week, I guess, or the week after next. Yeah. Whenever, whenever people, uh, write back in and tell us, um, what's our time look like? 52 minutes. We're doing great. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, you want to thank our patrons? Yes, I do. That's my favorite part. It's my favorite part, too. <laughs> I think it's all of our favorite parts. All right. Thank you so much to our lovely patrons. You guys make it possible for us to do this podcast yes, you every do. week. And, um, so... Literally, like this this week specifically, it's possible because someone... Exactly, yeah. yeah. And thank you so much to those who reach out and give us questions or even just topic ideas or even just, you know, l- l- like a little bit of a word splat often the times that, that brings out, you know, some kind of new new aspect of a topic because at this point we've done all of them but yeah we certainly have it gets hard sometimes yeah to... dude when i look through the old ones like jesus we covered that right. oh we covered that yeah but it's nice to you know see see a new side of stuff sure yeah. um so thank you so much to jim sullivan william glenn hunt spain abney logan jet certified heinrich jet Hell yes, he is. adam nicholson matt whalen the dirt wasp podcast uh chris comouth jeremy more cookie than monster mm-hmm. hiker no i don't know what what but i am dying to find out no i don't know what but i'm dying to find out that was uh you know what you know what you You know what what? uh (laughs) you know what brad v yarrow same to you madrona ampersand brooke ferragamo commuting to work again so finally caught up tips and topics to come and i listen to the very end all right nice all right i appreciate that someone does listen to the very end uh tommy siv francis cordone blendy blendy bald and friendly (laughs) 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 blendy blendy bald and friendly wonderful that's wonderful (laughs) bald and friendly Dave Dewberry, Sentient Center, Barrett Lippy, Sam Sulian, Okan Ayrton, Randy Stewart, Hillary Jones, Constantinus Andrew, Fran, sometimes I pay attention, Martinson. Franz, I think you're always paying attention. Yeah. yeah. Yuli He's Simgu. trying to trick us just in case sometimes he. Yeah. Yuli Simgu, Brian Crowley, Lisa Klein, Sharon Okada, Christopher Aceto, Matt Mumford. Week two, I'm flipping fools. Oh, <laughs> hell yes. Hell yes. That was on last podcast. I like it. And like Lenny Acuna. <laughs> Week two, flipping fools. I'm flipping That's fools. Right. That's right. That's, I mean, Watch that's out. how we do traditional martial arts. That's right. That's right. Flip fools. Flip some fools. Flip some right. fools. It's nice to flip people. Like, it feels, it's, it's, <laughs> also, I think, good to get flipped sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's just flipped. real fun to just be like, I get thrown around. It's funny. I was helping Maya uh, train the other day for her test, you know, and uh, I don't take a fuck ton of ukimi anymore. And so uh, I was just taking ukimi away and I was like, oh, look, I still know how to do all this stuff. Huh? <laughs> I, I really great. like I don't think I've hardly ever seen. Well, not I've seen you roll, but like, I don't know. I like we did like Sumiotoshi or something where you, or Myotoshi you took a roll and I was like, wow, there he goes. There he yeah. goes. Look at him. Yeah, go. Look, he can roll. He does it all. 
<laughs> it is funny how some of that stuff, uh, it, the, the, the programs there. So we were filming videos a while back um, and we did uh, Shionage. And I, you know, we were just doing it. I didn't know what to expect, whatever. And uh, you just threw it and there was a high fall. I just did the high fall. It was no big deal. Um, and afterwards, like thinking about it, it was like, ooh, man, that could have been scary had I known what was coming uh-huh. up because we don't i don't do high falls from that very often uh-huh. and so i feel like if you had been like hey i'm gonna throw you we're gonna do a high fall i would have been like oh okay. yeah, that's why you just don't tell uh, anybody right and so you just, you just do, do it, it and it's there it's just imprinted in you yeah yeah, yeah uh josh and i had a recent recent conversation about high falls that i thought was really illuminating and it, it's like probably no shit to anybody else but just realizing that like they're all the same yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. because the the coda guys high fall is the one that that mm. we do the most um but like there's some that like i haven't done in a really fucking long time or if ever and like it's you know intimidating the idea of doing one for a shionage or for riminage or something juji juji's the one yeah juji was the one yeah but they're all the same <laughs> they're just, all the same you, fall you like, find the the rotation the point of rotation mm-hmm you align yourself. You rotate. You, you go rotate. over yeah. it. The end. Yeah. <laughs> the end. You know? It's real easy. I think it's I mean, hard. The, the problem is if you don't do those things. Right. If right. any of them. So if you can't find the rotation point, that happens. If you can't align your body, that happens. Then things can go really Real sideways. <laughs> right. And, yeah. it, and it feels yeah. crappy. I think the thing that's confusing for our like newer students is because we teach them the high fall from like we're holding them that like if you're choosing to do a high fall then nage doesn't necessarily know to hold you mm-hmm. which is fine as long as you hold yourself mm-hmm. but if you don't know to hold yourself then you're going down head first <laughs> right, because you're going you have down. to you have to right right so like you either have to essentially jump over so you are holding yourself or they're holding you and they're making you right, do the high fall giving you the giving yeah. you the right thing and like no duh but i think if if you've only done you, one right. kind of high fall then the other kind seems like how does that even happen how do i even make that right, work right um but it's kind of nice because in doing like a jumping high fall you have complete control over it sure yeah i think another thing is just the, that that they're I, all jumping <laughs> yeah uh that's that's the real they're uh they're all jumping <laughs> there is the the main thing i think for all high falls is um just uh, the commitment to it so if at any point you decide that it's not something you want to be doing and and it's not at the very beginning or at the very end then you're screwed yeah yeah you, know? <laughs> you cannot question the high fall part way through no, yeah nope. nah, you just do it. <laughs> that's the best just do it those are con- consistently the worst falls i've taken is when i go wait am i doing high fall or regular roll oh shit yeah i mean that's why you know like if you look at like high level ukes for like these top shihan you can go <sighs> on them and they they, they do fall. this big right, giant right, high right, fall right, right. because it's like there's no fucking question <laughs> right you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. that that sensei expects you to take a high fall you're gonna take a high fall and if you don't take a high fall he's gonna twist the shit out of you you know what i mean so right. so it's like a, yeah, just do a it preemptive high falls yeah. yeah i'm gonna count that as the tip of the week yeah sounds yeah. good what was what was it did we I, i'm not even high falls they're all high the falls. same do, oh. yeah oh, well i mean depends oh. what level you're yeah, at i right. guess but if you're new then realize that like yeah. you have complete control over realize. yeah jumping over and if you already knew that then do some ones that you think you can't do and you'll find that you can do them i think we did an episode on high falls but maybe we should do it again yeah. i think it's one of the most misunderstood concepts I, in all of i IQ. believe so the other day, Juji, and uh, so uh, it, it it was like an aha moment for me, although it shouldn't have been. 
uh, I just I, I uh, was doing it with my I had both of her arms and I twisted and then I just had my hands right where they were. I just held them there. Yeah, and we we just, we made eye contact and, she and just he was like, like went over it and I was like, huh? We were not we weren't <laughs> trying to do the the like we weren't doing anything special. He was just no. showing me something and we made eye contact yeah. and he was like, you want to do and it? And, and it was I was like, like, yeah. And it was just the weirdest. Uh, <laughs> and it shouldn't be, but it was just like, oh yeah, I did literally nothing. Like literally did nothing on my part. Yeah, it was nice though because I was like, "Oh, I completely trust yeah, you. Everything's yeah. cool." It was, it was fun, and it was fine. No one got hurt or anything. Yep. Yeah, no one got hurt. All right. That's All my right. tip of the week. All right. <laughs> no one get hurt. Yeah, that's a good tip. All right. So next time we'll see you then. <laughs>